we only knew what he thinks of us. Wow. I love that. that I, uh, that's the kind of song that I put on when I'm just lost and I don't know what to do or what to think. I seek his love. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the love of God. I have a word I feel like I need to share now, though. Ken, I want you to go ahead and start recording this because I feel like this needs to be on the video. I was praying before the meeting, and, um, and immediately I felt him speak this for you. He said, he has not overlooked you or forgotten you. He sees your tears, your desperation, and he's meeting you with his compassion to break through the obstacle that's in your way. So in Jesus' name, I just speak that over God's people. God, thank you that you never, never leave us nor forsake us, that you have seen those tears, you have heard those hearts of desperation, and you are... Um, speaking the powerful truth that you and your compassion are breaking through the obstacle. You are the Lord of the breakthrough. And I thank you, Father, that just as you saw Joni through and she has received that breakthrough, that's a testimony for all of us, all of us whatever it is. Maybe it's one of your loved ones, but whatever it is, he wants you to know that. Thank you, Lord. So this message is entitled Agape Love and Compassion. And this is another amazing nugget. And you're going to hear throughout my, as I share, how God has spoken this truth in many different ways over, my, over the last eight months of my own healing journey and how he's encouraged me and loved me in such a way that it has strengthened me and built me up and, and helped my faith to be stronger. I believe that this is a, uh, uh, you're, as, I, as I share truths, I believe you're going to see how this truth, when you choose to believe it, even before you may feel it, when you choose to believe what the word says about his love and his compassion, that is integral in your healing journey. So agape love, it's the highest form of love. The Bible talks about several forms of love, but we're only going to look at Agape love tonight, which is the highest form of love. It's God's kind of love. It is the fatherly love of God for humans and our reciprocal love for him. Because when we're loved with this love, this intense, fierce love, the response is to love back in the same way. So agape love is the love of the Father, but it's also our love for the Father. This love is an intense affection that must be demonstrated. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It is accompanied by demonstration in acts of kindness, in acts of love. Agape love is loyal. It's endless. It's unconditional. It's selfless, and it's sacrificial. Agape love is burning love, 
fiery love, fierce love. It is a compassionate, powerful love. It's God's love. In 1 John 4, 8, Scripture tells us that this agape love, this agape love of God is not a character, it's not a characteristic of God. It is who he is. God is love. Scripture doesn't say that God loves us. It doesn't say that God um, feels this love for us. It says God is love. It is who he is. In 1 John 4, 8, the scripture says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. One of the powerful attributes of agape love is that it must be demonstrated. It's not just an emotion. It's not just a fiery, fierce love. It's a love that is demonstrated. So I'm going to share with you several scriptures that talk about this demonstrated love. We're going to look at, at what the Bible says about agape love. First of all, John 13, 1, from the Passion Translation. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to his Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. And right after this introduction, verse 1 of, of chapter 13 of John, right after this, he washes the feet of his disciples. So it's, the scripture talks about how Jesus, as he walked and talked with his disciples, as he ministered to people, and as he taught his disciples, he was constantly demonstrating his love and his compassion, specifically for his disciples, that's who you are, and that's who I am. But he was specifically doing that with his, the, his closest um, people that were closest to him. And then, the night before he died, he wanted to show them the full measure of his love. And what did he do? He humbled himself, and he served them. He took off his cloak. He put on an apron and a towel. He got down, down on his knees. This is the Son of God. And he washed their feet. That was probably the most humbling thing he could do. The most tender thing he could do would be to wash the feet of these men whom he had walked with and taught. And he knew that the next day he was going to die. He was demonstrating his servanthood, his sacrificial love, his selflessness. Jesus, who was God, the Son of God, lowered himself stripped himself of his deity when he, was, when he was born as a babe and lived on this earth, and then humbled himself even further to die on the cross. And the night before he died, he humbled himself to such a point that he got on his hands and feet, washed the feet of his disciples. You know, I have been in different um, ministry situations where there have, there have been the washing of feet. And it almost makes you uncomfortable when somebody's, washing your feet in such a, a beautiful, prayerful, tender, selfless, humble way. But imagine if it was Jesus himself. You would say, no, Jesus, no. Let me wash your feet. But Jesus, with his amazing love, 
demonstrated it in that way. John 15, verse 13 says, For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Jesus was teaching that to his disciples, knowing that he was going to be sacrificing his life. But he's saying, that's not just for me. That's for you too. That is the greatest sign of love, is a sacrificial love. In our lives, we can live giving sacrificial love. What is it that you're sacrificing? You know, it might be sacrificing what you would want to do to go and love somebody. Maybe you've got a lot of things you would like to do, but instead you choose to make a meal for somebody, or like Alice does. She makes so many, you know, like my daughter-in-law is going to have a baby shower, and Alice loves to bake and give. It's from her heart. She loves to do it. It is that sacrificial love. It's that compassionate love. And, you know, we just, we just receive it and thank her. I mean, she's such a gift in so many ways. And so are so many of you. Pat, she brought us a beautiful quiche and a, a, a amazing homemade soup during that week we were moving. You know, that's just a picture of taking time out of her life to do something sacrificial. That's sacrificial love. That's agape love. Here's another beautiful scripture that talks about demonstrated love, agape love. This is probably the most um, common scripture when we talk about the love of God demonstrated. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? But we can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. That's such a beautiful picture of the demonstrated love of God who would choose to humble himself to die the worst death there was, the, the most um, tormenting, torturous kind of death there was to die, to die by crucifixion, to save us. And we, weren't, we didn't earn it. We certainly didn't deserve it. We were sinners. We, were, we had a sin nature. Mankind had never followed the letter of the law for all of those hundreds of years. And, let Jesus, and yet Jesus said, there's no way, but I'll make a way. There's no way for them, but I'll make a way. I'll become that sacrificial lamb. I'll be the unblemished lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world, that will pay the ultimate price. He sacrificed it all. That's the greatest picture of agape love we can begin to see or, or understand. 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10 God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. That not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to sacrifice to take away our sins. Sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
Not that we were so great, not that we loved him so well, but he loved us first. You guys know that my daughter-in-law is pregnant and with my, my granddaughter. She's due on my birthday, July 7th. Soon, yes, I'm so excited. But as I was um, meditating on the scripture, I, I saw my daughter-in-law and this pregnancy and this baby that's growing in her. And I believe that this is one of the best snapshots we as human beings can see to understand the love of God. So when a mother is pregnant and has that baby in her womb, and when that baby's born, it is completely helpless, uh, completely helpless, can't hold up its head, it, you know, it can't smile, it can't even see clearly with its eyes yet, it, it can't um, communicate at all in any way, although I guess crying is a, a way of communicating, but not in any other way. And yet, that mother and father have a love they've never experienced before. It's so deep and strong, and their connection is so very great. That miracle of conceiving a, a, a infant and seeing it grow in the womb and then be born. But that baby can do nothing when it's that little to love its parents in return. It can't hug them. It can't say, I love you. It can't even smile yet. But that doesn't matter. That love just pours out of the parents. I believe that's a picture in a human way of seeing the love of God for us. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. We can't be good enough. And yet he loves us so intensely. He's our father. We're his children. We're his babes. These, you know, especially when we're first born again, these infants, and he just loves us so tenderly. That's agape love. So uh, like I said, I'm going to intersperse the revelations he's been giving me through this teaching. And the first one I want to share with you came to me on October the 23rd, this past October. I'd been diagnosed with cancer in September, and this is what he spoke to me in October. Um, I'm going to read it to you in a way that I want to prophetically read it over you. Because it's not just a word for me. I believe it's for all of God's children. So I'm going to put your name in it as well as mine. This is what my father spoke to me that day. He said, I love you, my daughter or my son. I love when you soak in the revelation of my love. Your love for me moves my heart. You are my delight. And the offering of your love has my full attention. So now I will consume you. The fiery passion of my love will blaze upon your life in ways you've never known. Even now I'm working on your behalf. I cannot resist those who so freely and unreservedly give themselves to me, even in the darkest valleys. And then he said, thank you, my daughter. Thank you, my son, for receiving my love. I'm so happy that you're mine. And after that word, which I was just weeping, needless to say. I was just weeping. I was writing in my journal and just weeping. And as I was writing and weeping with this love note from my father, I had a memory. It just popped into my head, and it was like, it was a strange memory. 
it was a, something that really happened. It happened uh, probably 25 years ago, and it was a Christmas memory. Um, we had three children, and at that time, our middle son was in high school. And it was Christmas, and he had asked for an extravagant, crazy, expensive gift. It was a keyboard. He's a musician, and it was a keyboard, but it was so extravagant. It was way, 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 way above our budget. So our Christmas budget is, I'm just going to tell you, $300 per kid. And it has been since they were little, and it still is. But that year, he wanted that thing so much, so, so much, that I really don't know why, but we got it for him. And it wasn't just a little bit above our budget. It was in the thousands, with an S, of dollars. I can't believe we did it to this day. But here I am, God's telling me about his extravagant love. And he popped that memory into my head. And I said, Father, why? Why did you give me that memory? And I believe what he was showing me is that's the extravagance of his love. It's so extravagant. His love is so big. And he desires to give us the desires of our heart. And I'm not saying monetary things, but I think he was showing me that because it was so extraordinary, so extravagant in our budget and in our lives. And I think he was showing me that that's what his love is like. And Adam did nothing special to earn that or deserve it. I've never done that before or since with any of our children. But it was just that that picture of extravagant love. That's the love our Father has for us. So big. Agape love. A fiery love. A passionate love. A love that must be demonstrated. I want to define the next word in the title of this message, which is compassion. In the Old Testament, the word for compassion, the Hebrew word for compassion is the same as the word for the bowels. Now, when I heard that, it was kind of weird. But I've done a little bit of research on it, and what I've learned is that in the, in the day that the, the Bible was written, the bowels were thought to be the very seat of love, of sympathy, and of pity. They were considered to be the innermost part of your being. So the word for compassion is the same word as the word for bowels. And this word compassion means a very deep, a very deep awareness of the needs of the other person, the needs of the person that you're feeling this for. But it's not just a, a very strong um, emotion. It, it is coupled with a desire to do something about it. It's coupled with a desire to relieve whatever it is that's causing that deep, deep compassion. They go hand in hand. The compassion and action, it goes hand in hand. I believe this is um, a, a component of agape love. Is this the compassion that leads to action? So I'm going to share with you some examples of the compassion of Jesus demonstrated in action. The things that caused Jesus to, in the very, very center of his being, to, to be so moved that it, it, 
it, I'm going to say, broke his heart in such a way that he had to do something about it. And the first thing I want to share with you is Jesus' compassion for the lost. This comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. So here's Jesus. He knows he's the Messiah. He knows that he came to advance the kingdom of God and to destroy the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus was teaching. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw them, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There were so many. There were so many people. I'm, I, I'm Jesus was the son of God, but when he was on the earth, he was completely human. Just think for a minute. Uh, the, the responsibility on his shoulders. He wanted to get the message of the kingdom as far and wide as he could, and he saw that there were so many of them, and they were like lost. They were lost like sheep without a shepherd. And he knew that when he left, it was up to the apostles, up to the disciples, up to the people who had seen him and believed in him to carry that message to the world. And he said, I, he said we need to pray. We need to pray for laborers compassion for the lost. Jesus had such deep compassion for the lost. Jesus is in you and in me. One of the things that um, just moves me, moves me to this po the point of sometimes feeling this heavy burden is that there are so many people that don't know the truth that you're hearing right now. And it's so, that's why we do this video. That's why we put it on the, online. We want to reach as many people as we could possibly reach. That's why we take phone calls all the time whenever a phone call comes in because we want to share the good news of Jesus the healer. That's compassion for the lost, and it moves us to action. This isn't just me. This is this, is this ministry team. This is Jesus Heals ministry team. This is you coming, being fed, and taking it out. Patty going and collecting people and bringing them in. That's compassion for the lost. Compassion for the, those who don't know. Jesus also had compassion for the sick. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. On hearing this, Jesus slipped away privately by boat to be alone. I want to back up for just a minute. The reason Jesus slipped away was because he had just heard about John the Baptist being beheaded. And he was grieving. He was mourning. And he just wanted to be alone. So he slipped away. But when the crowds discovered he had sailed away, they emerged from all the nearby towns and they followed him on foot. So when Jesus landed, he had a huge crowd waiting for him. So did he say, not now. You know, I, I need some time to myself. No, not now. I need some time alone. Is that what he did? No. Seeing so many people, his heart was deeply moved with compassion toward them. So he healed all the sick 
who were in the crowd. He didn't think of himself first. He thought of the people first. He was moved to such a point that he had to do something about it. Kent and I are watching the, the new season of um, The Chosen. How many of you are, have seen some of this? Okay, quite a few of you have. In session, in um, the third episode, it, sh it showed something that just brought me to tears with my Jesus. <clears throat> it was similar to this story. There was um, a, a day when the crowds, the multitudes, came to Jesus, and they had seen him heal. Now, this is my perspective. They had seen him heal, and they knew that he was a healer, and they were willing to wait for that healer to pray for him. So there was this crazy, huge, long, long, long line of people. And then there was Jesus at the front of the line. He was like under a shelter, a shaded shelter. And the apostles were kind of doing crowd control, but the apostles weren't praying for people. They were just ushering them to Jesus. Jesus prayed for every single solitary person. And scripture says every single person was healed. But at the end of that day, it was a long day, because the rest of the episode showed the apostles talking and, and some really deep conversations they were having and stuff that was being uncovered about their past and all that. That was the other part of the, the episode. But at the end of the day, they were around the fire, getting ready to, to have some food to nourish their bodies. It was dark, and Jesus came back to the camp so exhausted. I mean, you, we don't think of this because when we read the Bible, it doesn't say so. But he was so exhausted, he could barely walk. He was just stumbling into the, into the camp. And they tried to give him food, and he, he couldn't even eat. And he went right to his tent where he was going to sleep, and he said a prayer to his father, and he lay down exhausted to sleep. Jesus was moved with compassion. Not was. Jesus is moved to compassion to heal the sick. It's so deep in his heart, he refused to let one person be turned away. Every single one, no matter how tired he was, it didn't matter. He was moved to compassion and demonstrated that compassion through action, praying for every single person until all of them were healed. Here's another beautiful scripture about his compassion to heal. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Just picture it for a minute. See this man who has been um, excluded from society, who has a deadly disease, it's contagious, who can't be with his family, who can't who has no hope of healing, imagine this man coming to Jesus, the healer. And this is how Jesus responded. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. And he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And at that very moment, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Why compassion? We know in that day, in that era, that if a, a, a Jewish man, if a, a chosen one were to touch an unclean person, that chosen one would become unclean. But that's not what happened. Jesus, with compassion, first of all, he said, I 
am willing. That's for you. That's for you, Nathan. That's for you. That's for you too, Sarah. I am willing. First he said, yes, I am willing. And then he reached out and he touched that man. And instead of Jesus becoming unclean, that man became clean. Jesus was rocking the world. He was rocking the religious world. And that man became clean. And that's his will for you. And that's his will for me. I love the scripture. It's one of the, my core scriptures for showing you the will of God to heal. Jesus never turned anyone away. And here he very explicitly says, I am willing. And that's for you too. Don't ever question if God's willing. Right there he says it. I am willing. So compassion heals. That's what this ministry is all about. We want God's people to know the truth of the word and see the results. See the manifestation of healing in your life. See the purpose of Jesus coming into your life, into your bodies, just like Joni experienced, just like my mother-in-law experienced this week, just like so many of you and me, myself, have experienced. That's why we share testimonies, too. Not to say, well, why God hasn't happened to me yet. No, we share that because that's his will for you, too. And we want to help encourage you. And we, it encourages us, too, to believe with you. Compassion also teaches. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd waiting. And he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, lacking guidance. And he began to teach them many things. So he was filled with compassion. They needed a shepherd. They needed guidance. And that's what he was for them. He guided them. He taught them. We know in the Bible it says people perish from lack of knowledge. I think teaching is integral. You know, um, there are uh, ministries, and I, I'm not condemning them in any way, but they will say for themselves, there are ministries where there is, I, I would call miracle ministries. Um, one specific one that I know of the statistics of is Catherine Kuhlman's. She, so many people were healed, so many miracles, hundreds and thousands and thousands of miraculous healings. But they kept the data of the people that were healed. Only 15% of them retained their healing. And I believe that knowing the truth is integral to, to knowing God's will for you and receiving not just the initial healing, but keeping the healing and receiving healing another time if it's needed or when it's needed. Knowing the word and knowing God's will and knowing his promises allows us to live a, a life of divine healing and health. So compassion teaches, and that's a huge, huge part of my heart. I know you realize that. Okay. I wanted to share Jesus. I love to share Jesus as our example all the time. Yes, always, always. No kidding. <laughs> I love it. But now what I want to share, Jesus was showing us this example, but then he gave us a commandment to do as he did, to love as he loved, 
with the same agape love that is demonstrated, with the same compassion that leads you, that is so deep, so deep in your belly, so deep in your bowels, that you have to take action like Jesus did. And listen to the scripture. I'm going to read two of them. So now Jesus, Jesus is speaking. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. Now, this is a revelation. Again, I said, God's given me all these little, tiny, little un unpeeling of deeper revelation during this season of my healing. And this is one of them. I had never seen or, or had revelation of this scripture where it says, I'm giving you a new commandment until this season of my life. Because this commandment was given in the Old Testament to love the Lord your God many, many times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your entire being, and love your neighbor as yourself. It was in there numerous times in the Ten Commandments, in numerous times in, in the, on the um, law, the law of God. And yet Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's about love. But here's the difference. He says, love each other as I have loved you. As I have loved you, you are to love others. I don't think we could love like Jesus until we saw the love of God, until we could see and experience the love of God, until Jesus paid the price for our salvation and came and lived inside of us. I don't think we, it was possible to love with agape love until we had the opportunity to know Jesus, to know his demonstrated love. But at this point, this is right before Jesus died. This was when he was in the upper room when he was giving this commandment. And then in chapter 15, just two chapters later, he's still in the upper room. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Love each other in the same way. That's agape love. So as, as God was revealing this to me, and, and, and I was just stirring and, and meditating on it, um, I, it pointed me, this truth about the loving like God loves, pointed me to 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter about love. Because I know that that chapter is telling us how to love, but it also is showing us how to love as God loves us. So I went, I had my Passion Translation, and I opened it up, and I started journaling. And the reason it says in your notes, paraphrase, is because it is from the passion, but it's even paraphrased a little bit by Cindy. Because as I was meditating on this, and as I was writing it, and as it came out of my hand into my journal, this is how it came out. And it has been so deep in my heart that I wanted to share it this way with you. This is God's kind of love. And as I read this, this word, from the Lord to show us what agape love demonstrated looks like. I'm just going to read it slow and let your own heart take this in. God, I pray right now that you show us what your love looks like in us and through us. Show us, Lord, those areas where maybe we need to grow in loving as you love. Show us those areas, God, where we are well-developed in loving 
as you love. And may we be forever changed by this word from you. In Jesus' name. So this is the love of God through you and through me. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Love is not jealous. It does not brag. Love does not shame or disrespect. Love is not selfish. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love finds no delight in what is wrong. Love never stops believing the best. Love never gives up. Love never, not even once, fails. Love never stops loving. That's a beautiful scripture to read out loud and, and let it come into your heart and declare that that's how you love. This is how I love God. Declare it. This is the love of God in me. This is how love comes through me. And it might, it might be a, a statement of faith because maybe that's not you. But as you speak it over yourself, that's your true identity. As you speak it over yourself, I believe it will grow. Those love characteristics, those agape love characteristics and the demonstration of his love, I believe, will grow stronger and stronger in me too, in me too. So Jesus um, was a beautiful example of demonstrated love. Jesus told us to love as he loves. And Jesus teaches his disciples how to be compassionate. I'm going to share two examples. The first one has to do with forgiveness. And when Jesus, this is his teaching. Jesus taught very often in parables. The first parable is the parable of the um, prodigal son. But the part I really want you to focus on isn't the son. The part I really want you to focus on is the compassion to forgive. The compassion to love whoever to life, whoever that might be. In this case, it was the prodigal son. So this is Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24. The, the second son, the prodigal son, returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, listen to this, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate this with a feast. For one of my sons was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. <laughs> I love that word. This is compassion of Christ. This is the compassion. And Jesus is teaching this to his disciples. He's teaching this. What did they do? They, instead of condemning the son and saying how bad he was and saying, you know, you don't deserve any of this. He was welcomed. He was loved. He was received. He was forgiven. This is a picture, of course, of the Father's love and forgiveness for us. 
but I believe it's also a teaching tool. Jesus was using it as a teaching tool to show us how to love others to life, how to forgive. I want to share a testimony with you. This is a testimony of a woman that we ministered to. We still love her. She's not coming to meetings very often anymore, but she came diagnosed with multiple myeloma. And her name's Joy. I love her name. She fits her name, kind of like Alice. Alice had to step out and get cooled off probably. But, but um, Joy, 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 except her name is Joy. And um, in, for part of the protocol of her medical protocol, um, she had a stem cell transplant. And while she was in the hospital because of the immune system where they kill your immune system and then build it back up, um, she had to be hospitalized. And while she was there, she had two Jesus encounters. And I'm going to tell you the second Jesus encounter. It had to do with forgiveness. Joy had a situation in her life where there was, um, uh, Greg Moore calls them, a sandpaper person. This person was in her life. This person was in her life all the time. But this person was like a sandpaper person and rubbed her wrong constantly. It wasn't a, a something from history, you know, that she had to forgive and let go. It wasn't a one-time situation that she knew she wanted to forgive and let go. It was all the time. And Joy had talked to me about it, and we had prayed about it, and Joy had made the choice to forgive, and yet her heart, she still felt bitter. She still felt angry. She still, I mean, because it was ongoing. Well, this is what her Jesus encounter was. Jesus came to her face-to-face -face in that hospital room, and he handed her a pair of eyeglasses, and he told her, he said, Joy, Put on these eyeglasses of compassion. She put them on. Now, I don't know if this was an open vision or if it was a still, small voice. I don't know exactly, but these are, this is how she tells me the story. So she put on the eyeglasses of compassion. We're talking about compassion and agape love today. She put on the eyeglasses of compassion, and suddenly she saw from a different perspective. Instead of seeing how that hurtful person was hurting her and how those words and those actions were destructive to her soul, she looked at the other person instead. God showed her from his vantage point, because you've probably all heard hurting people hurt people. And God showed Joy why that person was the way she was. And when that was uncovered, unveiled, Joy could forgive from her heart all of those offenses. And she could forgive in an ongoing way because she had, those, she had a new perspective. She had eyeglasses of compassion. God gifted her compassion like he had for this particular person. Isn't that a beautiful testimony? So I'm just going to stop for a moment and pray that over you and over me. Father, we desire to have the compassion of Christ. We desire to know from your vantage point, from your heart, the compassion you have for the lost, for the sinners, for the, hurt, for the hurtful people, for the hurting people who are hurting us, who are wounding us, who are destructive towards us. Father, we pray that just as you gave joy eyeglasses of compassion, 
we pray that you open our eyes to see with eyes of compassion and that we forgive the way this father forgave in the parable that you taught that we are overjoyed when the lost is found when the the sinful person turns in repentance away from sin and comes back and asks for forgiveness father may we even choose to forgive when there isn't repentance, when there isn't remorse. May we choose to forgive and let go no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm watching the clock because I'm debating whether to share this, the second story. God just brought it to me. And I'll, I'll share it in a short version. Um, last night a woman came to me. I'm not going to use names because it's a very sensitive subject. But her son was shot. Um, about a year and a half ago, and after a very, very long battle with paralysis, he was 23 years old, with paralysis, and he needed um, a vent ventilator, and he needed a trach, and he needed tube feeding, and he needed complete, complete medical care. After a period of time, he died. And you know what her prayer request was when she came up to me last night? Her prayer request was for the people that shot her son. Her prayer was for them to turn their lives around and to give their hearts to the Lord. She also told me that before her son died, they had some wonderful talks. Even though he couldn't talk with his vocal cords, she was able to communicate with him because he could still move his mouth and things. And um, they talked about heaven and they talked about Jesus. And he completely received Jesus into his heart. And he completely forgave the two men that had shot him. That's what Jesus tells us. Compassion forgives and restores. Compassion also responds to needs. Luke chapter 10, verses 33 through 35 this is the parable, another parable that Jesus is teaching about the Good Samaritan. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Remember, there, were, there was a man who had been beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the road. And three people passed by him. The first two were religious people. And the, the law said that they could not be near uh, uh, that wounded man or they would become unclean. But the Samaritan didn't do that. When the Samaritan came along, when he saw that man, listen to this, he felt compassion. And remember, compassion is coupled with a desire to help, with a desire to alleviate or relieve or help whatever that person has the need for. He felt compassion, so he did something. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. That's sacrificial love. That's sacrificial compassion. He's giving his time. He's giving his resources. He's giving his money. He's even saying, if it's not enough, I'll give you more when I come back. He did everything in his ability to help that man. And Jesus is teaching us that's what we're to do. That compassion should lead to action. 
Well, another part of my journey of healing is this coming alive to me. God has shown me in a very um, clear way that he has been revealing his love to me through your love to me. Because Jesus is in you. And there have been so many beautiful acts of compassion given to me during these last eight months that I'm just overwhelmed with the love of God through you. I'm going to share a couple of examples. The first one is my sister. My sister and I were reconciled the first time I had cancer 19 years ago. And when I was diagnosed with cancer in September, Holy Spirit urged me to call her and talk to her and let her love me and, and pray for me and walk with me through this journey. I hadn't told my own children. I hadn't told my parents. But God just, I just had that, I was compelled to call my sister and Holy Spirit is always right on. She was the exact perfect person to, to walk with me through my journey. She took, she, just like this man, she dropped everything to answer the phone, to call me, to, to put aside whatever she was doing while I was in the middle of a test to pray for me, to pray fervently for me in the midst of that test, and she'd be texting me. And as soon as I got out of the test, I'd read all of her texts and what God was showing her and what, what vision she was having and what peace she had or what, you know, what God was speaking to her through that. I mean, she was just powerful in my journey with me. Another one was my brother. I have a brother who's eight years older than me. His name's Rick. And because he's eight years older than me, we were never really good friends because when I was in elementary school, he was already out of high school. But when I was diagnosed with COVID in the middle of all of that, he called me every single day. He FaceTimed me every single day. And he was checking in on me every single day. And even after I was better, he continued to call me about once a week and just check in and see how I was. He had never done that before in my whole life. And it just touched me in a very special way that he took the time to do that. A third person is my prayer partner. Her name's Karen, and we pray together almost every day. And so she's one, she's one of the first people that knew because we pray every day. And um, so we stood in, in faith, and she was strong with me, and she agreed with me in God's word. And as I would, you know, have different tests or whatever, she was right there with me, and I would always call her and give her the updates right away and all. And she didn't tell me this piece that I'm going to share with you until after I was healed. But what she told me is that she said, Cindy, I didn't want to say this to you because you had enough to deal with already. But she said, when you started to tell me about this and what you were going through, she said, I was so, my, the compassion, I know that's what it was. I was so burdened. I was so hurting. I just, I didn't want you to go through that. And she said, I knew what the end result was going to be. I knew that you were healed. I knew that God was taking care of you. But she said, I would just cry. I would just hang up the phone and I would cry because why compassion? The compassion, it was in her belly. It was in her bowels. It was just pouring out of her because we are so closely connected spiritually that it was just flowing out of her. And, and she walked with me and prayed with me and stood in agreement with me through that whole thing. The ministry team in both Monday and Tuesday nights, another example of, of immense compassion being poured out. 
I mean the smiles and the love and the hugs and the prayers and the, the encouragement of my ministry team. Um, cooking all the time. I can't even tell you how much food was delivered to me. Kim Cruz, some of you know or some of you don't, um, she also had cancer and went through treatment about seven years ago. And she knew when you come back from that treatment, you don't feel like cooking and you feel kind of yucky. And so every time I had a treatment, there was a cooler of food on my porch when I came home. She knew when the treatments were, and she had a cooler of food. And she knows that we like to eat healthy. So she had fresh roasted vegetables and chicken breasts and homemade soups. And I mean, she didn't bring one meal. I'd have enough meal for a week in that cooler. It was like over the top. But she was, that was sacrificial love being poured out. So compassion demonstrates itself in action. And I'm going to share one more point, and then we're going to pray. And that is this, is, this is key, guys, to your journey of healing. Knowing the agape love, choosing to believe it, knowing the agape love and the compassion of God is power to your faith. It, it allows the word of God to become alive, energized, operative. In Galatians 6, 5, 6, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this in a minute, but the, the New King James says that faith works through love. Faith works. The word works means it's activated. It's operative. It is fueled through agape love. That word love is agape. So when... We know the love of God through directly from God loving on us directly or through God's people. It fuels your faith. They go hand in hand. Let me read this from the Passion Translation. When you're joined to the anointed one, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. It's not about religion. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. All that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through agape love. Works and expresses itself means that it, it's, there's power in it. So faith works powerfully and effectively when we understand that we're loved. Let me give you a super simple worldly example. Grandma, I'm grandma, and I have Colton and I have Cora, and they're big enough when they want something, they know how to ask for it, right? Yeah. By name, specifically. Depends on what it is, but very often grandma, you know, melts and buys it. <laughs> if I tell them I'm going to buy them whatever that thing is, that book or that toy or whatever, they're not, they're not extravagant things like Adam's was, but, but if it's something that's reasonable, and I tell them, okay, Grandma, we'll order it on Amazon, and I'll have it sent to your house. Do you think that they question whether Grandma will do it or not? No. They have complete faith. They know that Grandma loves them. They know that Grandma is faithful to her word. 
And if grandma says, I'm going to buy that and get, I'll get it on Amazon and have it sent to their house, they're waiting for it to come. There's no problem with their faith because faith works through love. And when we know that we're loved by God, faith isn't a problem anymore. So I'm going to share with you another revelation that God gave to me. I'm going to put a picture up here from my journal. I took a, a screenshot and had um, Kent put it up here because I want to talk to you what God was revealing to me. Uh, and this was on February 22nd. So I'm uh, not an artist, so. <laughs> but this is Cindy's journaling. So the first thing that God was speaking to me, he was talking to me about the word of God, the promises of God, and that the promises of God contain all the power in them to fulfill the word. Like a seed contains all the power in that little bitty apple seed to grow an apple tree. And what he showed me was a treasure chest or a box. So that's the box of God's promises, and it contains miracle-working power. That box does. That promise, whatever the promise is, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. That's a promise. That word is like a container, and that container holds all the power needed for that miracle. But in order for it to be released, it needs to get unlocked. And our faith is the key that unlocks it. Our faith, because God's part's already done. The promise has already been made and fulfilled. But our part in receiving it is to unlock it with our faith. And our faith is, is I, I get out of the camera range, sorry, honey. Our faith is built up as we meditate and have intimacy with God and his promises. And that was so real to me as I would meditate on his word. And that word would just build me up and edify me. And, and I, could just, I could just feel it was a spiritual thing. I could just feel the strength and I could feel the, the power of that word doing something in me. More in my soul than my body, but I know the effects also happen in my body, right? And so I was meditating on all this and I was writing it down. I was drawing this picture. I was writing it. And then I sensed that there was something else. And I said, God, what else? What else do you want me to know? There's something more. And this is what he said. He said, my love surrounds my word and your key of faith. My love shared with you and your love shared with me. Intimacy is central to faith in my promises. Because I love, I bless, I heal, I save, I forgive, I pour out my power. And then he told me, that's what's new in your season of healing, my daughter. You've grown in intimacy with me and my living word. So that box and the key is, it needs to be, you need to know the love of God. And he said, my love surrounds it all. And he's told me, that's what's different this season, Cindy, because you're letting me love you. You're, you're immersed in this time of intimacy with me and love with me. And that's why the faith is unlocking that box. Your faith is unlocking that box. There's a couple more um, nuggets that are on your paper that I want to um, show you, and then we're going to pray. This is powerful. Saturating our minds, renewing our minds with the truth of God's unconditional love will do more to create a healing environment than anything else you can do. It is number one. 
saturating yourself. That's why that song, I will, that's the kind of thing I feed my soul when I'm in the middle of a trial. Because saturating your soul with the love of God for you will do more for you in your healing journey than anything else you can do. And the second point is that understanding you are loved is a prerequisite to becoming convinced that it's God's will to heal you, and that's faith. Understanding his love. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a friend's experience that spoke so loud to me. This woman passed away a few months ago. She was coming to our meetings, and she was diagnosed with cancer and metastasized to her brain, but that's not, why, that's not what she died of. She died suddenly. They, they, don't even, they, did a, they, they didn't even do an autopsy. She just, she just died. It wasn't cancer. Cancer didn't kill her. The stupid devil did. I don't know what happened. I get mad at the devil. But anyway... She was doing wonderful. She was absolutely thriving. And she was coming to our meetings, and she came up to me at the very beginning when she first started coming, and this was her cry of her heart. She said, Cindy, I don't know the love of God. I hear you talk about the love of God, but I don't know it. I want to know the love of God like you know the love of God. And she was just grieving this, this lack. She knew she had a lack. She was concerned about this lack. And I told her what I'm telling you, you know, meditate on scriptures, meditate on scriptures of his love for you. Play music of his love for you, that love song to sing to your heart. This is what God did with her. She was, she was um, studying scriptures about his love, and she had an aha. Those scriptures of God's love are in the Bible. And the Bible is truth. And she made a decision to believe it. She didn't feel it, but she made a decision to believe it because it's in the Bible. And if the Bible says God is love and that he demonstrated his love for us by dying for us and all of those other amazing nuggets of truth about his love for us, if that's in the Bible, she chose to believe it. And that day she came in to our class. It was a Monday and she was overflowing with zeal. She said, Cindy, I have revelation of the love of God. I got it. I finally got it. And she said, I still don't feel it. <laughs> but I know the truth. It's, it's in here. It's real. It's done deal. It's settled, period. He loves me. I have revelation. I am loved by God. And then that night, we laid hands on her and prayed for her. After the meeting was all over, and God <laughs> poured out the cloud of his glory and his love so big. She was, she was enveloped with his love. She was consumed with his love. She was burning with his tangible love. And, and she was weeping and she was just, she was undone. She'd never experienced that tangible presence of his love. But once she chose to believe what the word said, then she experienced the tangible presence of his love. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. 